Turn with me this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter, my eyesight's going, chapter 13 and verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 10. This is week four of the series that we're doing on hearing from God, a very involved topic, a topic that maybe reaches areas of your Christian walk, more areas than you would dream of or realize. In this scripture, Paul says, he refers to my speech, and I want to draw out something that he says about maturing as a Christian. But when completeness comes, or perfection, what is in part disappears. Verse 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put these childish ways behind me. And Paul is given, if you like, a bit of a description of what maturity contains or some of the ways in which you can assess your maturity level. And one of the things he mentions is your speech. Now, this is week four, as I say. The first week, we saw that there's innumerable ways in which God can speak to you. If you didn't get that message, go back and get the podcast. Because we need to be open on all of those ports. Because God may be speaking, in Job it says, please listen, in Job it says this, God does speak. Now in this way, now in that, but they do not perceive it. That's my point. There's innumerable ways in which God does speak to us, but we miss it. We don't get it. So I ask you to go back and review that message if you weren't here and see all the different ways and channels through which God can communicate. That was the first week. The second week we looked at, it's not just about hearing a word. That's pretty pointless. If all you do is hear a word, then you're going to have to be able to bring that word to fruition. And that's a major battle that can take months, years, decades. So just hearing from God. Some people think if they hear from God, that's it. God said it. That settles it. I don't, you know, I've spoken to you about this before. I don't agree with that. It's not correct. It's not holistic. God can say stuff and you do not push through to receive it. He can call you to achieve things that you, you know, fall short of, right? So be careful of that. And in this third week, we looked at the problem of unforgiveness. If we hold unforgiveness in our hearts, folks, we're in trouble because it it just puts all of our life really on pause. This topic of speech is one of the, do you know the faith camp? You know, Kenneth Copeland and Creflo Dollar and all that. Fine, I've got no problem with that, you know, by and large. But that particular school of thought has the mind, speech, healing, prosperity. They cover about five topics over and over and over again. And that's very good. They do a very good job on it. But speech is one of them. And because of so many of our Christians don't like what they do in that camp. Maybe you don't like what they say about prosperity. Maybe you think it's extreme. Okay, no problem. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're talking about speech today. And this is one of their topics. But I ask you just to put down any prejudice, any pre-justice on this topic and open your mind. It's a topic that I love, topic that's very important to me because I like to pray and I understand why I need to speak when I pray. And those of you who go to the prayer meeting, you'll know it, it frustrates the living daylights out of me when many of you still don't pray. Ugh. Some of you never pray. All you ever do is meditate. 
but you don't pray, you don't open your mouth and speak, which is what the Greek word means. Turn to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. I'll read verses 1 to 7 here. Now the whole world had one language and one common speech. And as people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and they settled there. They said to each other, come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar instead of mortar. They said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. Otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they've begun to do this, then nothing that they plan is going to be impossible for them. So come and let us go down and confuse their language, confuse their speech. Now, do me a favor. Let's just everybody in this room forget that there's anybody else in the world. Okay? Just for a moment, the only people on earth are us. Just us. That scripture applies. So God would speak to us and say, if they've all got the same language, if as one people, I don't get in there. I, mankind was becoming so powerful because of, because of speech. Because of the way they were using that, these people knew something, understood something, were operating in something that we kind of miss it. We don't get it. I repeat, God needed to disable man partly. He needed to slow him down. And he did it through speech. That's what he had to do. So we can tell from that, that my speech, your speech, is very powerful. But maybe we don't perceive it. Now, a natural man has got, as a gift from God, the ability to reproduce, right? We call it procreation. The, the, the ability to reproduce biologically after my own kind. That's the natural man. But the spiritual man equally has power, made in God's creation. And you know the story, Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God spoke and he spoke. So yes, I'm a natural man. And I've been gifted by God the ability to procreate. That's fine. But I've got to understand that as a spiritual man, I also have a very important um, gift within me, a power within me that is released in the same way as God releases his. Through his speech. Through what he says. Now, I've got a video here. I hope this works. Could I have the My First Rifle one? Take a look at this. I hope it doesn't upset you because it is. I have a friend called Jerry David who's an American pastor. And every time I meet him, he's bought himself a new gun. He loves guns. Go ahead. I hope this works, guys. It's very American. Where'd you go? 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 Where'd you it's soft shooting, affordable, and accurate. Girls and even mom will love the way they can pick one to their own taste. Start your own tradition. Cricket. Find yours online or ask for a cricket rifle at your local dealer. What not to get next Christmas? Right? I mean, that's, I think, you've got to be insane. Amen? You've got to be insane to give a, a, a child a rifle. And it's not an air gun. It's not a pellet. It's a bullet. This is the result.
This is a child. She was two years old. Her parents bought her, my fr- bought her uh, two children, one five, one two, brothers and sister. And the parents brought the five-year-old my first rifle. So the, the, the mother stepped out onto the porch of her home and the boy was in the house with his sister. He goes and he picks up my first rifle. He aims it at the child, shoots her in the head and kills her. And it drives me crazy. I mean, if you, you, you can get that video yourself. But the attitude of the parents when their child had died was so casual, so laissez-faire. Oh, well, there you go. You know, accidents happen. For heaven's sake, you gave him the rifle. You gave the boy the rifle. What's wrong with you? And my point is, you see the danger of something powerful in the hands of those who don't know its power. I mean, who's going to give a child a gun? Only a brainless idiot, a fool, right? But friends, these children need to be taught. But we have something very powerful, and it's our speech. And scripture says the power of life and death are in your tongue, right? Not a gun, but equally we have an instruction manual, right? A lot of training. So God gives you a weapon, folks. Absolutely. He gives you a powerful weapon in what you can say, provided you mix it with faith. But he also gives you, he's not irresponsible, he also gives you a very detailed instruction manual about how to protect yourself and how to function within that power gift within the church. In fact, I mean, any soldier, when they join the army, what's day one? Day one, they give them a wooden rifle, right, or a plastic rifle. Then they give them a real rifle, but it's got blanks in it. And then they give them, you know, real bullets, etc., etc. But the use of that gun is one of the major focuses of any army, of any soldier's life. But as Christians, (laughs) listen, is your speech a major focus for you? It's It's the way you control your speech a major focus for you. I tell you the truth, folks. Some of you will come into this building. And worship God like we did this morning. And step outside that door and speak negatively. Is it true or false? It's absolutely true. Taking no thought or accountability for the power that God says I have. And then wondering why as I go through life such problems seem to ensnare me or beset me all my life. And yet ignoring what we've been taught. What we've, what we've been told. Look at Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 15. This is a description of Jesus Christ when he comes back to earth. And he defeats the Antichrist, the devil and the false prophet. He subdues all the nations. And nothing has changed folks. Look at it. Revelation chapter 19 verse 15. Sorry I'll read verse 14. The armies, of heaven, uh, the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which he strikes down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. Basically, nothing changes in all time. This is a description of Jesus Christ and his return to earth and how he subdues the devil and the powers of darkness. How does he do it? With a sword, it's his tongue, with a sword that comes out of his mouth. Now remember, everything God does, the devil tries to mimic, right? 666, 777, and all that. There's another animal on this planet, a snake. And a snake is famous for wanting to frighten you. 
by coming at you and threatening you to release that tongue. The tongue that comes out of his mouth. And it's the same thing. It's a kind of a, a parallel, a mimic. But I, I want, um, actually, turn to Genesis chapter 1. I forgot to read that. Let me read this. I want to show you the, the, the historical nature of speech and give you a biblical foundation that will hopefully give you faith out of it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And here's where everything began and here's where everything can also begin for you. Here's where you can make a fresh start, a new beginning, even if you've been negative in your speech up until now. Verse 3, and God said. So there it is. There is a release of his power. Verse 6, what does it say? First three words, and God said. And it goes on and on. So I want you to see in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, in the Old Testament, it was God speaking through which he released his power. Now turn to Matthew's gospel chapter 8. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, and verse 16. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, and verse 16. This is Jesus. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the demons with? With a word. With a word. Same thing. So you've got God in Genesis speaking and creating. You've got Jesus here in Scripture speaking and then the last one, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Same chapter, but look at verse 5. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking him, Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said, shall I come and heal him? But the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I say to that one, come, and he comes. I say to this servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now, just a real revelation to me this week. Look at this. Jesus says that this guy, this centurion, has greater faith than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, than John the Baptist. This is an outstanding statement. Jesus says that this guy has got greater faith than anybody in all Israel at this time. Why? Close? <laughs> Getting closer? Exactly. Because he believed... Differently, he believed in the power of the speech. He said to Jesus, if you say, if you speak, if all, that's all you need to do. The power is in your speech. The power is in your word, Jesus. You don't have to go to him. Jesus said, shall I go to your house? He says, no, you don't actually need to do that. I understand the source of your power. And Jesus highlights him. In fact, he puts a mega spotlight on him for you to see something. That It's the same for him, the same for Jesus. And this guy understood it. Do you? Do you? When you listen to people speak, folks, I'm afraid they do not accept it, do not understand it, do not appreciate it. James chapter 3, verse 1. Now many of you, uh, 
Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect and able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. Whenever the pilot wants to go, likewise the, the, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. And consider what a great forest fire is set on fire by a small spark. And on and on, you know what James says there. On your notes this morning, I'll just round things up in three simple points. First point is that speech is a law. And what I mean by that is this is where the problems begin with many people. They feel that if other people speak negatively about themselves, that's bad for them. That will affect them. But it doesn't apply to me, right? That's what people think. There's a game called Russian Roulette. Did you ever play that, Alex? No? <laughs> do they still do that? Russian roulette. You know what, you know what that is? They take a, a, a barrel gun, right? And they put one bullet in like a six-chamber gun. And they, like six guys sit around in a circle and they pass the gun. Now, tell me, who on earth would put that gun to their head? Someone who thinks it doesn't apply to me. Someone who thinks it's not going to happen me. It's going to be the next guy. It's definitely not going to be me. It's going to hurt them, but not me. And that's, it's a gun again, <laughs> but that's the same point. When we speak negatively, it's because in our heart, we feel my negative speech actually doesn't affect me. It, I won't be affected. It's okay. But they shouldn't do it. Right? Are you with me? But my point is speech is a law. And it's, going, it's in Genesis. It's in Matthew. It's right through scripture. And I am not an exception to it. And in fact, you'll see in a moment, Scripture tells me that my life will be a harvest of it. Turn to Matthew chapter 11, verse 24. Famous Scripture again. Matthew eleven twenty-four. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus says, whatever you ask in prayer. So there's the speech. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, Unfortunately, as I say, the positive teaching and positive thinking and positive speech, the world has hijacked a lot of this stuff on us. And people reject it then in churches because they think it's a worldly thing. But it's not. It didn't originate in the world, did it? It's not theirs. It's ours. It's yours. Proverbs chapter 18. This is probably the most prominent scripture in the whole of the Bible about speech. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 20. From the fruit of their mouth, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it, those who appreciate it, respect it, understand it, they will eat the fruit. It will either kill you or cure you. Now, I think I've got a slight thank you. That's it there. Life and death, what, what does that mean? How does that manifest it itself? If I speak positively, I, God promises me that I will reap the fruit of that. Such as what? Energy in my life, zeal in my life, fire in my life, peace, joy, love, endurance. But if I speak negatively, right, then I'm going to have everything that goes with that. Lethargy, fainting, unease, sadness, weakness, poverty, withdrawal. Now, which side 
are you on? <laughs> right? Which side are you on? What is being produced in your life? And I would trace it back, not just me. Scripture will trace it back to your speech. Scripture will tra trace it back. You are eating the fruit of your lips. You're eat that, that's what's being produced. So please, folks, accept it this morning. And I really think that's what's happening here. I think God wants to take many, some, many of you to a new place with this. It's a powerful thing. Powerful thing positively. It's a powerful thing dangerously. I could give you a few stories here that I dare not about things that people have said. But I, I have very rarely used my speech to hurt anybody. But you can, you know. You can. Um, I told you I was in Poland. I was in a punk rock concert. I was 70 punk rockers got saved and they had this camp. And I was teaching for six days. And it went really well. It was astonishing. I was really pleased with it. But there were many problems evolving over the week. And I was supposed to leave on the sixth day. And this other guy was coming in on the seventh day uh, to, to, to finish everything off. But that wasn't right. It was wrong. I knew it was wrong. And I needed that seventh day. I needed the day to consolidate everything that had happened. And some of the people there were talking to me about the guy who was coming in and saying, this is not good. This is a bad plan. We know him. This is not going to end well. So I did a bold thing, you know. Got to be careful about your prayer, you know. Uh, Elijah, wasn't it? Elijah called down fire on the youth, remember? And God did it. God didn't agree with him, but he honored his position as a prophet. Elijah said, burn them. And God did. He sent fire and brimstone down on that youth gang, wasn't it? So I decided that I'm going to do something that I'd never done before. I decided I was going to pray, I was going to speak, and I'm going to stop this pastor coming. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use my authority, and I did it intentionally, intelligently, deliberately. I began to speak. Began to speak to that man. You're not coming. You're not coming. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're not coming. I forbid you for coming. I will do that last day. I need to do the last day. You are not arriving in this place. And I spoke that until I felt free. And then sixth night comes. Everything's over. We were in tents. I go in my tent. And in the middle of the night, someone comes to my tent and woke me up and said, we just had a phone call. The pastor who was supposed to come, well, he was due to travel. He's up in the middle of the night. He woke up and his voice is completely gone. He's got no voice. Can't speak. So he's gone to the hospital. You're doing the last day. I, I, yeah, I know. I know. Thank you. No problem. But you can't. I hope he's all right. I hope I didn't kill him or anything. <laughs> it, it's just a temporary thing. You, you have power. And you've got to be careful how you use that power. There was another incident in Dublin where we had a youth group. And they were okay. But there was these two boys, Tommy and Piper, two different guys. And they were terrible, you know. And I was extremely gracious and extremely patient with them. They had committed many crimes. But the police never arrested them. They never took them away. They never dealt with them. Please just let them run. I knew the police and I knew them. But they did something once that was crossed the line. And I'll never forget it. I was walking down Traconnell Road was the road and I stopped in that road and I said, you know what? I'm going to lock them up. I'll lock them up. In the name of Jesus, Tommy, Piper, you're going to jail. You're going to jail right now. 
and it was like a day or two. Youth club come in. No Tommy. <laughs> no Piper. Where are they? Our police raided both homes, picked them up. They're in youth detention. Ooh, right, okay. I'm just saying, folks, all through Scripture, God gives people authority. Right? It's the name of the game. That's what we're here for. But your authority comes out of your mouth. That's where it comes from. And you need to understand that and then be careful of how you use it. Because you can do damage to people. You can hurt people. Be careful of what you say. Man, I think I've shared with you before. I was sitting with a woman once and she turned to, she had two children, and she, uh, two boys. And she turned to the elder boy and she said to him, I don't love you. I only love him. What a stupid thing to say. What a stupid thing to say to a child. You see, words have power. Words have power, right? And once you've said that, can you take it back? You can't. You can apologize until the cows come home. But the, the, it, there's, a, there, there's a fracture there. Now you can pray for healing and all the rest of it. I know God does miracles. No problem. But you've said something that cannot be retracted. And you're going to have a job to put that person right. So be careful. That's what James is getting at. Be careful about what you say. Your words have you know, great, great power. Could I have the confusion list up please? This is a great list. I, I hope you get it and I hope you understand the point because if you get this bit right, you can start to release the, the power that God has placed within you. Many people misunderstand speech. They don't get it. Some people say, okay, my speech is powerful, therefore all I've got to do is confess and I will receive. True or false? False. Because the speech has got to be mixed with faith. You have to have faith. If I've got no faith and I want a Mercedes Benz, right? And I stand and say, I've got a Mercedes Benz, I've got a Mercedes Benz. Have I got a Mercedes Benz? <laughs> no, right? If you, if you speaking and asking for something or confessing it, but there's a whole load of people out there who believe in confession. They believe that just if they confess, that everything will be okay. No, everything will not be okay. That's an imbalanced teaching, an imbalanced doctrine. Then in our type of churches, it's different. That's why they don't pray. Just believe. I believe the right thing. So I'm fine. I'm sitting here. I'm not speaking. In my mind, I'm believing the right thing. I've got my Bible in my hand. So I'm fine. And that's why you don't get an answer. Because you have to confess and believe. You have to do both. And in fact, I'll show it to you. Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask. And there's the... There's the word, right? I tell you, whatever you ask, whatever you speak for in prayer, believe. There's the belief. There's the confession followed by the belief, right? Then you will receive it. Very simple. Romans 10.9. One of the most famous scriptures, right? Romans 10.9. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, there's the confession and the belief. Right? Not just those two places, but over and over again throughout Scripture, you'll see that that's a principle. So I want you today, I want us today to make a fresh commitment to put these two things together, to amalgamate them. Your confession may be right. That may be good. But your belief may not be there. The faith may not be there. Your faith may be there. But the confession may be absent. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures this morning, but I want to validate some of these 
what, what, what can seem like wild claims, you know. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters, and after, what? Many days, that bread shall return to you. It's my second point. Sowing seeds and, and hearing from God, it takes time. When you hear a word from God, God puts something in your heart, you've just heard. It takes time. Most of the time, it takes time. No farmer goes out and sows seeds today and then goes out tomorrow to reap a harvest. True? No, it's ridiculous. Stupid. But yet as Christians, we, we, we can approach prayer with the same sort of McDonald's attitude. It takes time. You can read that scripture and not hear what it's saying. It says, what are the two most important words in that scripture? Many days. Many days. Cast your bread, pray your prayer, cast your bread upon the waters, receive the word, and after many days. That's what's important. That you understand you've prayed your prayer, but now you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to pray through what I'll call the prayer tunnel. Excuse me here. Ian, have you got a belt on? Would your trousers stay up if you took it off? <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. If I take mine off, my trousers will fall down. That's right. Don't get up for the rest of the meeting. <laughs> you remember, we looked at, I think it's, in fact, let's turn to it. Look at this. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22 and verse 63. Ugh, sorry, I've got that wrong, haven't I? Uh, okay, okay, I'll quote it to you. When, when, when the soldiers were torturing Jesus, remember what they did. They put a blanket over his head, remember? They blindfolded him. Ian, come. Oh, I hope that's okay. <laughs> wrong, wrong person. <laughs> they, could I have your jacket? This is not going well for you today, is it? <laughs> Okay, have you got a wallet? <laughs> they put a blanket over his head, right? And this is what they did. They, 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 they beat him. And they beat him, and they beat him. I'm not hurting him. What are you looking at me like that for? <laughs> I, really, I could if you want me to. They beat him, and they beat him, and they beat him. But that's not the point. Don't get distracted by what's happening. The whole point of what's happening. Jesus is going through a hard time. But the point is in the question. They asked him. What did they ask him? Who? They said, speak. That's what they said. Speak, prophesy. Come on, speak. Who is it? It's God, isn't it? It's God hates you. God hates you. That's why you're like this. Every pain that comes in your life, that's God. Because God hates you. He's sorry he saved you. And Jesus is in that dark place. And he has to hold his ground. Watch his speech. Don't speak. It's like Job. They're trying, sorry Ian, thank you very much. You're doing, doing, doing a good job. Take a week off. So, my point is folks, for all of us, there's you, there's me. I haven't got a very big page here, but this is a tunnel. You get your word, you know. God speaks, God speaks his word to you in your ear. And you hear it. And then, what happens, Jesus was given a commission by God the Father to go into the world and to die on a cross and he set out on that journey. This is where he ended up. He ended up trying to get him to turn back. Trying to get him to curse his father as it were, to speak negatively about his father, to blame his father and he didn't take the bait. 
And I promise you, folks, this will not apply to many of you because many of you will not hear for calling. Many of you will not follow God for that because you just will not be sincere enough. But some of you will. Some of you will be sincere. You will seek God and you will hear. That doesn't mean it's over. It just means it started. So God says, Onithiel, God says to you, I'm sending you to Australia to plant a church. There's your word. But nothing's happened. And if you are true to that word, and if you start your journey, I promise you, what will happen is, it's like all hell breaks loose. So Jesus says to them, come into the boat, we're going to the other side, right? They get in the boat, what happens? Storm comes. Storm starts to hit. And this is the whole point. You've got to be prepared just because you hear doesn't mean it's going to happen. You've heard the word. Now you've got to brace yourself to get through here and to get out the other side. Because here is where the promise is. It's like the promised land, like the, the Red Sea, like the Jordan. There's always a journey. There's always a problem. And you have to be prepared to get through that. And it's hard. And the temptation of the devil in these tough times is to get you to blame God. To get you to turn back from your fight. I can speak a bit more liberally. Jeanette's not here. Do you remember my list? Many of you spoke to me about my list. I didn't realize it would have such an effect on you. Many people came and spoke to me about the list I put up. Remember the names? Remember the names? It's shocking, you see. It is shocking. Shocking. Men who heard. Like Jason. Daniel, Stefan, Shane, shall I go on, (laughs) Rick, Alan, Mike, and as as I said, I I was feeling very sad because I got my word and we're on a journey and then all of a sudden my wife gets struck and I was thinking, why is it just me? Why is it just me? Why are you picking on me? And I'm under that blanket. And I'm getting struck. But I thank the Lord. He opened my eyes. Because Jason's wife died within three months of marriage. Daniel's wife died at 32 years old in the bed beside him. Still pastoring, both of them. Stefan's wife got throat cancer. Shane's wife got throat cancer. Rick's wife had two heart attacks. Alan's wife died two years ago. And my wife's struggling even to get to church. So you see, this is important for me to know this. It's important for you to know it. Because when you're in the tunnel, guys... You're going to need to know it. You're going to need to know who, the God, who God is and who the devil is. Right? And God gets the blame for everything the devil does. So be prepared. If, I, I repeat it again, if you're not sincere, you won't hear anyway. So it's not, this doesn't apply to you. You'll just have a normal life. But if you intend to hear from God about a calling or a direction or anything of significance, then you're going to end up going through some sort of a, a, a battering to try and push you off the track that you choose. Right? Open your ears, folks. Open your ears to God and let him... See, why why am I sharing all this? Because in the tunnel, your speech is the problem. In in this place, it's the speech. It's what you say. Oh, I'm just going to go back. I'm just going to give up. It's your speech. You have to keep faith, hold faith and patience. Faith, patience and speech. Weak to faith and patience. But today in that tunnel, they said to Jesus, Speak! Come on, speak, say it. Because you say the wrong word. And that's, that's a fact, folks. I know people laugh at this. But Jesus had perfect faith. So if Jesus had said, you know, 
I, I wish I was dead. Boom. Jesus would have dropped dead. You understand? Jesus had perfect faith. So every word that came out of his mouth carried great power and immediate effect. Now some of you say, I wish I was dead, but you don't die because you've got no faith in it. Are you with me? But you've got to be careful about the bits you've got faith in. And the more faith you've got, the more careful you need to be. I repeat, people laugh at this because they don't take it seriously. They think it doesn't work, but it does work. And their lives prove it. The good, the bad, and the ugly in lives prove it. The last point, therefore, you need to be very careful of the way you speak. The way you speak. Remember, the devil has a plan. And God has a plan. Could I have that next slide, please? The devil has a plan and God has a plan for the way in which we use our speech or we use our tongue. God has a plan to build you up, to build others up, right? To build the church up, to tear down strongholds, to let you move in the prophetic. Everything that's good. You don't have to be a genius to speak negatively, friends. Any fool can speak negatively about the pastor. (laughs) You don't have to be very smart to do that, do you? Anybody can speak negatively about your brothers and sisters, but it takes a Christian. It takes a man, a man or a woman who knows God and understands to say, do you know what? I'm not going to let those words come out of my mouth. I'm going to be on this. I'm going to, sorry, wrong side. I'm going to be on this side. I'm going to be on God's side. Right? And even if it's a lifelong habit, because these things are habits. They're habits in people. They're particularly habits with women. Am I still safe? <laughs> Women have more of a problem with negative speech than men because they're more emotional creatures than men, typically. And women have a greater tendency to talk and talk and talk and talk than men. But that leads them into all sorts of difficulties with their speech. So today's message carries within it a warning. Watch your speech, men. And a greater warning. Watch your speech, woman, because your natural inclinations will lead you to speak, and that's perfectly okay, provided that you sanctify that and use that correctly. Remember that you are a powerful creation. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully. Lord God, help us. (laughs) Don't answer me. Who's afraid of you? Who's afraid of you? Fearfully, fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, if Moses walked in this room, you may quake. If the Apostle Paul comes in, you may start to get a bit frightened. When people know who they are, when people know the wonder of the creation, and they're walking in that power, it's not just the devil that trembles, but other human beings sense, there's anointing here. There's power there. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. But I just hope that we get it. We understand it. These, the worship songs this morning, I think, are bullseye. Perfect for what I wanted to say and what I wanted to share. Look at Psalm 19. Let me show you what I mean. I wanted to close with this scripture. Psalm 19. And I want us to make this our prayer this morning make it a fresh commitment make it a new beginning make it an extension of your understanding 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, which is what we've been singing about today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord my rock and my redeemer. Jesus said in the Gospels, can good fruit and bad fruit grow on the same tree? No. Can fresh water and dirty water come out of the same spring? No. So if you leave this building and you go home and in this building you're positive, but when you get with your friends, you're negative, are you a polluted stream or a pure stream? You're polluted. And if you think anything else, you're deluded. You're deluded. Because the two things can't be brought forth either in a tree or in a human being. And at some point in your life, you're going to have to stop and say, Do you know what? I am going to sanctify this heart. I'm going to make the meditation of my heart and the words that come out of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O God. Right? Then... With that security that we hear from God, we apply faith and patience. We get through that tunnel, always watching our mouth. And you can go from here today, hear and achieve what God speaks if you simply apply the rules in the book.